Hello, Scouted Football Pod fans. Welcome back to another end of season episode. Uh, the monopolies and duopolies of Europe's major and minor leagues have been toppled this season, opening the door for incredible scenes, fantastic stories, and some scarcely believable ones too. Uh, La Liga, the Premier League, Liga, Serie A all provided us with some enthralling final days. Um, it was a truly fantastic end to what has been a trying campaign under difficult circumstances. Um, there were plenty of goodbyes, especially in the Premier League. Um, as Leeds United said farewell to promotion clinching pair Gitano Berardi and Pablo Hernandez, while Manchester City's Sergio Aguero swan song was comprised of two late goals for the departing Argentine, managing to oust Wayne Rooney's record of 183 Premier League goals for a single club. Um, we had the Europa League final and 20 perfect penalties before David De Gea stepped up and the rest is history. Uh, but there's still the Champions League final to come this weekend uh, and none of those ties were contested by Italian teams. Um, Stephen Ganavas has crawled out from the Scouted Football Handbook editing bunker to join me on this one, uh, discussing his favourite topic, Juventus. Um, Steve, welcome back to the land of the living. How's it been balancing Juve stress and, and volume 10 editing? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting past couple of weeks. Um, if you asked me this question about a week ago, it might have been uh, a different answer. But the events of the the last week has you know started to give me a more uh, optimistic outlook on on all things uh, Juventus related. Uh, but on the handbook front, we're all, all good to go now. So by the time this podcast launches, the the handbook will be will be out there, and uh, yeah. Hopefully you all uh, go and grab a copy. It's uh, yeah, been really fun putting this one together. We've got some great stuff on uh, FC Norgeland and the the Right to Dream Academy in Ghana, and uh, yeah, obviously another twenty five players that we've profiled, and yeah, a bunch of other awesome features and a nice interview with uh, Tariq Lamptey in there as well. So go grab a copy before you uh, before you listen to the rest of the podcast. But yeah, all good. Yeah, excellent stuff. Really looking forward to seeing uh, how people receive this one because, um, as always, you know a lot of work has gone into it. Um, just for, for for people who might be listening to this for the first time, where can they get that 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 volume ten? Yes, sfhandbook.com. Easy as that. Simple as that. So it's probably best to begin with a, a summary sort of, of of Juventus's season. Obviously, fourth place was secured in Syria and. Um, there's been a few departures though. Um, Baratici, the the director, has 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 departed, but also um, that it looks as though it, it, it appears increasingly likely that Andrea Pirlo is going to be leaving as well. And I suppose my my thoughts around this were that you know he arrived with no prior experience of of managing uh, at, at any level, never mind the top level, uh, and no coaching qualifications to speak of. Um, you know, Juventus obviously with that. You know, eight nine year run of of winning Serie A in a row, and then they dropped to fourth, albeit with a with a relatively decent points tally. Um, it did appear as though there would be some sort of managerial change uh, towards the end of the season from from sort of an external viewpoint. Um, Max Allegri as good as back. Is it any surprise, Steve? Uh, probably not. I think uh, the club weren't. You know, I don't think they were completely disappointed with the way. Uh, Pirlo went in charge uh, in his single season. Two trophies, as you said, only five points less than Sari won the title with last year. Um, obviously, Inter improved a lot and, and deservedly won the title. But I think with the way things are, with an opportunity now with Inter imploding to reconsolidate Juventus uh, as top of top, uh, Champions of Italy again next year, when the opportunity presented itself to to bring Allegri back to the club, I think that you know it just makes perfect sense. He's 
been there, done that with a lot of these players. And uh, yeah, I think Agnelli really backs Allegri to, to take this team back to the top. And uh, so, yeah, the the departure of Paratici, um, I think, signals uh, kind of the end of the end of the cycle. As weird as that sounds, with Allegri coming back, Paratici had taken over from Morota and kind of gone towards a more uh, ad hoc transfer strategy that I think, uh, in the last few years, has led the club into some bad investments into some some high wage players that haven't to you know delivered on the pitch. So, yes, Paratici out, Allegri in with, I think, some promises of giving him a little bit of control over things on the transfer front. Um, it's, yeah, all happening at Juventus FC just a few days after after the season finished. Yeah, certainly. And, and I, can, I can sense a, a tinge of... of, of um... Not enjoyment, but sort of relief in your voice, perhaps. You, you know, you've been, you, I wouldn't say you've been a staunch defender of Pirlo, uh, sort of in, in the manager's hot seat at Juve, but you've been one of the, the, the voices on the, on the timeline who I think have seen sort of being a bit more level-headed, sort of giving him the opportunity to, to make those mistakes in his first job in management. But what is the overall, what is the overriding feeling from, from your viewpoint of, of Allegri coming back, Pirlo leaving, um, Baratici leaving, and, you know, potentially, you know, the end of that cycle, as you say, you know, is, is this a, is this the get out of jail free card in what could have been a very difficult summer? Yeah. So about 60 minutes into the the final league games when Milan and Napoli were were both both leading, and it looked like Juventus were were destined for Europa League football next season. It painted a pretty pretty sorry picture, uh, but yeah, with Hellas Verona scoring that equaliser, uh, Champions League football being secured, now Inter with Conte leaving and their financial issues. Uh, Allegri coming back to Juve, it's all of a sudden uh, things look a lot, a lot more, a lot more rosy, and you know the the possibility of a of a bounce back, uh, immediate bounce back is is a real possibility after it looked like it might be a, a bit more of a slow burn. Uh, so yeah, as I said, Allegri's worked with a lot of these players before, got the best out of them, and you know again you're you're going from a guy that's made Champions League finals, won uh, five league titles. Uh, you know, as I think Pilo did a, a you know a decent job as maybe as well as you could expect from a, a first year coach, and you know lost the title to an inter team with one of the best coaches in the world and a great squad. So, um, yeah, I think that if you kind of put all those things together, the I don't think the club is you know really under or overachieved. I think what happened is what is expected, but. Uh, Agnelli is really looking to propel the club forward. Allegri is a big, big guy to bring into the club. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm expecting, hopefully, optimistically, some good things next season. So looking ahead then to, to this summer and to next season, of course, you know, transfers and the, the financial situation is, is obviously going to be atop the sort of the agenda at the, at the top of the UVA hierarchy. Um, I suppose before we get into sort of the, the, the financial side of it, you know, you've got Weston McKenney who will be coming in for around 18, 20 million euros at the end of his loan deal. That's an obligation. I think it's a, it's a, it's a good deal. It represents good value. Um, and I suppose it opens a new can of worms really with, with Allegri coming back. How does he work with these new players who, who weren't there 
when he left the club before uh, before Maurizio Sarri took over. Um, you know, you got Nicolo Rovella coming in from Genoa for a similar fee. Again, I think it's a good move. Um, and of course, you've got Federico Chiesa into the second year of his loan. But you know, you know there will be a, a fifty million or forty-five million euro uh, obligation to to buy there. Um, you know, there is. The scope to say that, you know, there is a, a very talented young crop here that Allegri is going to be able to utilise and perhaps get 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 more out of than uh, a first-year coach like Pielo might have been able to. Yeah, well, I think this team is really uh, geared to probably play a more transition-based uh, style, which I think will suit uh, Allegri more. Um, I think... The way that Pila talked a lot about pressing high and winning the ball back quickly, but it never quite really eventuated. And the team ended up really uh, attacking very slowly, often being forced to play uh, through the wing backs and relied heavily on uh, Quadrado, who really had a great season to, to provide a lot of the the creativity from, from uh, right wing back. Um, and I think he was the club's assist leader by some margin. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, guys like Weston McKenney, uh, Kulusevsky, Chiesa really all suit that kind of, uh, transition style. And I think now you just need, uh, someone in midfield that can really kickstart those transition attacks, which will be, I think the, the logical next step, uh, as a club, you know, moves into the transfer market this year. And hypothetically speaking, if if you were to if you Juventus were to bring in a, a an up and coming midfielder, somebody who you know has a good understanding, a good experience of Serie A, somebody who you think that Max Allegri could could work quite well with, and who, who'd also be attainable, um, I feel like you've definitely got a certain player in mind, and I might have I might have a window into who that might be, but I'm just going to wait for you to confirm it because I think it's I, I you know I can I can I can envisage you just laughing here because I know. I know exactly what's about to come. Yeah, I've probably only been talking about it nonstop for the last six to nine months. But uh, Manuel Locatelli looks like he's going to be on his way out of Sassuolo this season. They've lost their uh, coach, De Zerbi, who's going to Shakhtar. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's a, a, a bit of a you know two or three, three-way race for him between Juventus, apparently Manchester City and PSG might be thereabouts as well, snooping around. Um, but yeah, he, if we're talking about Pilo, he's the kind of, you know, next man up in this team to kind of, uh, fulfill that role of progressing the ball from deep. We did a, a podcast a, a few months ago where we talked about passes into the final third and, um, the way that Locatelli ranks so highly in that statistic, despite playing so deep in midfield. Um, so I think he would be the number one or should be the number one target for this team that also, uh, struggled a lot through the, the midfield this year. Um, Pilar struggled to get the a mix that fit in terms of you know defensive quality and ball progression. Uh, and so getting someone like Locatelli that can give you uh, a bit of both, then that's uh, going to improve your improve your team massively. And again, he's a player that I could see Max Allegri really, really uh, enjoying uh, having in his midfield. 
but there you have it. I think that that's that's Steve's. If if he was going to make one change to this Juve team uh, that wasn't Allegri coming in in place of Pirlo, it would be to bring Locatelli in. And I suppose now that that asks the question because you know the, the I mean this is the Scouted Football podcast. We focus on under twenty three players, and you know Weston McKennie's twenty two years of age. Um, Rodrigo Bentancur turns twenty four in a few months. Um, you know, there's they're two young players who've. I mean, I, I, I've been impressed with Weston McKennie, how he's adapted to Juventus. I think uh, some people may have looked at him and thought, well, you know, is he going to be able to to make that step up? You know, is it is, is it possibly a bridge too far? But I think in a in a transitional season as it was, you know, during the, the time of Pirlo being the custodian, um, perhaps not being the most innovative, but he's got a reasonable amount out of McKennie. I, I just wonder if, say, for example, Locatelli was to, to come in, um, and while we, you know, the resources that Juventus have, that's clearly something which might be likely. Um, you know, what does that mean? Where does that leave Weston McKenney? Where does that leave Rodrigo Bentancur? Where does that leave Artur? You know, these these players, because, um, you know, they, they, in their own right, they're obviously very talented. But is Max Allegri going to, is, is he going to go for old favourites or is he going to go with the new man? Yeah, so I think it might be a little bit difficult to see where McKenney fits in. He kind of was playing his best football with Peel or playing a kind of hybrid attacking midfield role, which is kind of difficult to see him playing under Allegri. And then in terms of a fit deeper into midfield, I think the the, the balance of a midfield of Rabio, Bentancur and Locatelli would be fantastic then with um Artur to kind of swing through and, and be the kind of the rotation piece. So it's kind of hard to see where McKenny fits in. He's, you know, gives you good uh, ball winning and, and good energy and pressing, but I still think there's a lot of deficiencies on the the technical side of the game that are going, going to be, I know, hard to overcome to really crack it uh, at a big team. And by all accounts, there aren't many players at Juventus that aren't going to be up for you know possible discussions regarding transfers at the end of the season, and it wouldn't surprise me if McKenny is one that they think of moving on if they get some sort of uh, decent offer in. Um, because yeah, with Allegri coming in, everything is all up in the air now. I think the club has a, a core of young players of Chiesa, Kulusevski. Uh, Delict. Uh, there's not many that are untouchable. Maybe Dybala, but yeah. Other than that, I think you know everything's up in the air at the moment. Even the by the the rumors are that uh, even Ronaldo's position is up in the air. So uh, yeah, I, McKenny would be one that I'd you know it's very fifty fifty now. So that's quite interesting for me to hear, I suppose, because, you know, based on the, the matches that I'd seen and granted most of those were in Europe, um, uh, I, I was quite impressed with what, what I saw from McKenney. So um, I, I agree that if, you know, if it's not going to be a perfect stylistic fit, then, then you know, you've got to back the manager over an individual player uh, unless you're Cristiano Ronaldo. And I guess we'll get on to that. Um, but I suppose my question really is, do you... You were talking about breaking the cycle. Do you gut the squad? Do you gut the, the structure of the club? Because of, obviously with Paratici going as well, you know, top to bottom, Pirlo gone, um, potential for, for some of the old guard to leave, potential even for some of the newer additions to, to go. Um, you know, who are you retaining here? You you were speaking about that young core. Is that pivotal to, to the rebirth under Allegri? Well, I don't necessarily think you have to gut the team. You still have 
Morata, Ronaldo, Dybala, Kulusevski, Chiesa, Rabiot, Bentacur, Artur, Quadrado, Danilo, who had a fantastic season, Sandro, Chiellini, Bonucci, Demiral, Dili. It's still a good squad. From from top to bottom, there is a lot to work with still. Um, I, I just think that there's just little bits and pieces and you can really... Uh, you know, have this team bounce back. And as I said with Locatelli, I think he'd be a really uh, big piece of of that. Um, so no, I don't think that there needs to be wholesale changes. Obviously, the financial situation of just about uh, every big club at the moment needs means you need to, you know, kind of make some movements out to bring, bring players in. And it'll, you know, we'll see who Allegri wants to bring in because it seems as though, as I said before, um, him having some say over... The transfer side of things seems like part of the agreement with Agnelli to come back. Um, so in terms of whether I, where I think they'd look to strengthen apart from in midfield, possibly left fullback with Alexandro and then maybe another another guy to roll through midfield if they can um, you know, sell maybe one of McKenney and or maybe both of McKenney and... And Ramsey, I think, is one of the other players that the the club's possibly looking to move on with because of injuries and high wages and whatnot. So, yeah, I don't think there needs to be massive changes to, to get this team winning Serie A again. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a lot more cosmetic. And when you run through the squad list, you do see that there's clearly, you know, there's not it's not exactly the bare bones of a squad there. You do have a team who is capable of of, of challenging for Serie A, especially with sort of the the implosion that is that is happening with Conte leaving um, Inter and, you know, the likely, the anticipated fire sale that there will be going on there. Um, and, you know, you even just from a youth football, a, not a youth football, but a, a young footballer's perspective, you know, you're looking at Delict, 21 years old, Demiral, 23, Bentancur, 23. I mean, I, I know we've discussed McKenny, but if, even if he stays, 22. Chiesa, still only 23, but vastly experienced. Um, Kurosevsky, who I think we probably didn't see the best of at Juve under Pirlo, um, still just 21 years old. You know, that that's your rebuild core. Um, you know, I think then, if you're... I think also you've got... Uh, Dragushin, the centre-back from Romania, yes, yeah, who yeah. Um, is very, very highly rated at the club and just signed a, a new contract. And also uh, Nicolo Fagioli is a, a midfielder that played a couple of games this season that is also uh, highly rated internally and hopefully gets a... He could be one that thrives if a, a couple of, of you know secondary pieces move elsewhere as well. See, that surprised me. Well, not surprised me. I, I, I didn't know anything about really Dragosin before I watched him at the under-21 Euros for Romania. And they were a really compact team. They were really well coached and, and well put together by Adrian Mutu, obviously the, the former Chelsea striker. Um, I, I didn't know how highly rated he was at Juve because, you know, you, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a track record of players being at Juve and maybe being sold for five, six million, but never, ever having a chance of making it into the Juve first team. Um, I mean, if he's highly rated and, and you're saying that, then... That's kind of caught me by surprise a little bit. Yeah, I think um, RB Leipzig were trying to to nab him, and I think we tied him down to a a four year contract or something like that a few months ago. But yes, he he played a couple of games as well this season, and and yeah, looks looks very impressive. So uh, an, another one to to look look on this season. Also, his game time will probably depend a lot on if Chiellini resigns, which is up in the air at the moment as well. Uh, or could he could be a, a good uh, candidate to to go on loan if if Chiellini does resign with the club? All right, interesting. Um, speaking of players that that I have a 
small affinity for, uh, Dragushin now being one of them. Um, it's, uh, I mean, this is no secret to anybody who's a long-time listener of this podcast, but Dejan Kulisevsky, um, I absolutely loved uh, his performances when he was at Parma. Obviously, clearly, uh, Juve did as well, spending $35 million on him from to sign him from Atalanta. He was obviously on loan at Parma uh, during the 2019-20 season. Um, he... Uh, Whenever I've watched him in the Champions League, it's it's kind of been one of those where I've thought, kind of not getting the best out of him in sort of 20, 30 minute bursts. Um, but then, you know, there was the, was it the Coppa, Coppa Italia final? Or was it the Supercoppa final that he scored that goal in? Uh, the Coppa Italia final. Just Coppa recently. Italia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just recently, yeah. Where he cuts inside and honest onto his left foot from the right hand channel. Um, the, the right-hand half space, and he just hits one. And he's got great technique, um, you know, really. I, th- he, I think I said in my profile of him in one of the handbooks was that, um, you know, he has, he has a very long back so that he's deceptively quick in, in how he sort of, in how he runs. Uh, and he's very good at sort of shifting his body, um, fainting one way and going the other. Um, and and I really like him as a, as a footballer. Uh, and, you know, obviously getting that move to Juve was obviously a massive moment, but it just didn't feel as though he'd kind of kicked on as much. I, I think in the Italian press, they might may have may have given him a little bit of a little bit of stick. Um, but I think for any player coming in in what is essentially what was essentially his second Serie A season, um, you know, to come in with a manager who, you know, for all intents and purposes, was probably just finding his seat, his feet as well. You know, just getting his feet under the table. Um, I think that i'd I'd say it's from from sort of an external viewpoint I think he did all right um and I'm probably a bit bit excited looking to towards how he's going to 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 adapt uh, under Allegri because you know you're talking about this being a a transitional squad and and kulisevsky was was excellent in a very transitional Parma team so if Allegri can can get the best out of this team in that sense then I think kulisevsky could play a major part yeah I think kulisevsky was probably one of the players that struggled most playing in Pilar's system. I don't think Pilar really uh, found a way to fit him in. There was, you know, times he was playing a bit more as a right midfielder, times he was playing as a striker alongside Ronaldo, uh, times he was playing more of a number eight kind of role through midfield. And I don't think he ever really got that freedom um, that he had at Palmer to just explode on the counter and, um, you know, Work his magic in transition, isolate players one on one, cut inside, and and uh, and do his far corner curler that he that he is incredible at doing. Um, and yeah, it was just simply because the team moved the ball so slowly going forward, he just did not get many oppo- uh, opportunities to to you know use his pace and and uh, get down the right wing and, and do his thing. Um, and the few times that he was able to do it, I think he showed really great signs that, you know, it hasn't gone away. It's just that uh, Pirlo hadn't found a way to unlock it. Um, so, yeah, as you were saying, uh, Allegri, I think, will probably play a bit more of a pragmatic style and, you know, sit a little bit deeper uh, and look to, to to counter a little bit more frequently than, than Pirlo did. And I think that, yeah, that should suit Kulusevsky's, uh, Kulusevsky's play style. So, yeah, I think... I think next season will be a very pivotal season. Um, you know, I'm trying to do the maths in my head to find where he fits in a potential starting eleven, or if he's going to be more a bench option to start with. Um, obviously, long season, he's going to get his opportunities to start at some point. Uh, but yeah, it will be interesting also to see uh, how Max views his best position and and how he intends to get the best out of him. 
listen to you, Max, like your best mates. No, I mean that was that was one thing that that was one thing that we um that we sort of anticipated. We didn't want it to happen when he went to 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 Juve um Kulusevski but the the Palmer were statistically the most counter-attacking side with Kulusevski and Jovino on 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 either side of the attack there in in 2019-20 um and it was one thing where you thought well if if the build-up is slower if there aren't as many opportunities to counter-attack if there isn't that space in front of um it, just in front of him you know wide open 50 60 yards to motor into you know how is he going to cope when perhaps he has to try and break teams down a lot more and has only got 20 30 minutes to do so um so yeah i think f- from what you're saying there that the allegri will, will perhaps set the team up deeper maybe look for those counter attacks and then yeah it gives me gives me a little bit of a little bit of hope and then if you've got someone like Locatelli that can pick the pass as well, that's that was the other problem is you don't really have anyone in the midfield as it's currently constructed that's going to you know look for that long ball over the top or look for that that line breaking pass to to set Kulusevski off on his way. Uh, didn't have that this season, and so maybe next year that will be different. Also, Max really set up um, Bonucci to play those kind of long balls over the top as well. So I think we might see a. A bit more of that, more more direct style. That yeah, as as we've said, should should suit his his play style a lot better. Moving on, and then obviously we've discussed sort of the young core, the rebuild core at the bottom of uh, well, at the bottom bottom end of the age curve in this Juventus squad. Um, but at the top, there is uh, soon to be a thirty seven year old Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, he turns thirty seven next February. Um, clearly on 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 a massive wage at, at Juve. Um, you know, a massive. Obviously, you know, scoring twenty nine Serie A goals is not exactly a drain on resources, but it's possible that you know he's. There, there, there will be questions asked in this team. Um, Steve, refresh my memory. Did um, did Allegri work with Ronaldo in that first season, or did they part? Did they cross paths? Uh, yes, they did cross paths. They had one season together, uh, in which we were knocked out of the Champions League by Ajax. And yeah, I think it's going to be a interesting reunion if there is one. I've seen rumours about um, yeah, a possible meeting with Ronaldo's entourage to to discuss a, a path forward um and whether uh Dybalo is going to be the the central figure in you know bringing the team into the next cycle as the club always talks in cycles um but yeah 29 goals he's obviously in his time here he's been he's been super important uh but yeah there's the other other side of it where he demands a lot of things um i think pilo struggled as a first year coach to get ronaldo to to buy in and play the way that pilo wanted him to play um pilo in his uh in his uefa pro license dissertation talked about pressing high winning the ball back quickly and playing that style and ronaldo's statistics this season is basically the uh, lowest volume presser in all of the top five European leagues. So you want to play a, trend, a high pressing style, but one of your forwards is not willing to press at all. Then obviously there's going to be uh, big problems in in breakdown of of your team. So um, yeah, there's two sides of the coin. Obviously you've got the 30 goals and you know top scoring in the league. But there's also, you know, a team of eleven players that you're wondering whether uh, he fits in with, and the throwing up of the arms when he loses the ball or someone doesn't pass to him or doesn't cross to him. 
uh, yeah, can be extremely frustrating to watch. So um, here's another one where there's, uh, you know, it remains to be seen where the where it's headed, but also at the same time, it's hard to to see another team uh, willing to fork out the enormous salary package that it takes to 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 sign him. Uh, so yeah, if I had to, if I was a betting man, I'd say that uh, he'll be there next season. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it is it is one of those uh, eternal questions. You know how how do you offload a player on such exorbitant money when no clubs have any of it? You know, I think you know we were discussing before we started recording, um, myself and Steve, about how much money um, Ronaldo is on and and just how much of a sort of an outlay that is, and it's around sort of like seven eight percent of how much um, Juve bring in uh, is is Ronaldo's sort of net uh, salary, and you have to think like how much could that be reinvested in a squad? How much of that could be given to a new a new sporting director, a new manager, you know, uh, a new a new club hierarchy to 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 refresh a, a team which perhaps was was flagging a little bit at times in this in this campaign. Uh, I think it was only I think you, Steve, you said it was only five points fewer that they earned um, compared to the the title winning total that under Maurizio Sarri the season before. But of course, you know, five points is a lot at the top of the table. I mean, five points ended up separating second and fifth, I think, in Serie A this season. So you know, these are the fine margins that 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 Allegri will be judged on, and I think. The, the Ronaldo debate is an interesting one. It 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 comes into it speaks to the wider debate of squad planning. Essentially, you know, do you want to be? I, I know. I mean, I know he's he's going to be turning thirty seven, but he doesn't play like a thirty seven year old in, in in absolutely no way. Is he like a thirty seven year old professional footballer in any other sense of the word? But do you put seven, eight, nine percent of your your um your resources into a player like that um, who you know you're you're going to have to really get back on board and whether there was any, um, Steve, I mean, I'm, I'm coming to you for this one, but whether there was any sort of um, maybe not seeing eye to eye with Allegri beforehand, um, maybe that, you know, Ronaldo came in, thought he was the, you know, kind of the, the, the focal point in this team and uh, in every sense of the word, not just, not just literally, but figuratively as well. Um, you know, we, with those with those sort of whispers about um, Ronaldo's representatives having meetings, um, is that is that reactionary to this to this managerial news? And you know, could could Juve be looking at thirty million extra, thirty, forty, fifty million extra if um if if they don't have to 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 keep Ronaldo on the books? Obviously, again, the caveat being somebody has to take him, and that's a more difficult task than any. But hypothetically speaking, um. I- I think it's difficult to frame it as a direct opportunity cost because yes, his wages are 60 million euros per season, but him just arriving at the club pretty much, I had a look at this the other day, kind of brought about just about an equivalent rise in commercial revenue for the club. So, you know, we talk about shirt sales of a player selling themselves, but essentially Ronaldo came in and instantly the club's value um, in terms of their commercial value, uh, rose instantly. Um, so it's hard to say whether, you know, you just take him out and all of a sudden you have this extra money, but does some of it go away if he's not there? Uh, but, you know, not only does he take a lot of money, he also takes a lot of attention and, um, you know, has a lot of demands as being one of the greatest players of all time. So, uh, I don't really think there was a f- any frosty relationship between him and Allegri, but I just think that maybe the club are looking to, you know, 
uh, rid themselves. Rid is a bit of a strong word, but rid themselves of the of that cult of personality that's at the center of the squad, and that everything has to revolve around. And maybe just look to uh, return to a time where uh, you know everything not everything being equal, but you know not having someone so dominant there that everything has to revolve around. No, I get you. And, and I think cult of personality is the term that I was sort of just waffling around just before there. I mean, it's something which I think you look at most football teams and traditionally teams who have a, an individual player with a cult of personality, um, probably Lionel Messi or Barcelona aside, um, you know, they, they, they may have fleeting success, but, you know, they then becomes issues as a result of that. Um, and... I, I just think if, you know, what we've we've had this discussion about sort of, you know, rebuilding, using a young core, obviously Pirlo going out the door, um, Allegri coming back in, Baratici leaving, um, you know, a, a change of the cycle. You know, how long does it take before you kind of have to say, well, you know, this, the, the, we need to we need to make some difficult decisions? I don't know. But um, had had the Champions League not been secured, obviously on the final day by, by the skin of Juve's teeth by a single point, um, then yes, this may have been a very, very diff- different podcast in, in 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 its entirety. Because who's to say that that Allegri would have come back with with no Champions League football? Um, it's it, there's there's lots of whys and 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 possibilities uh, in that. But Steve, before we go, I'd just like to get sort of a a one to eleven um, in uh, of Juve next season, the first game or the first Champions League game of next season. Um, who are you who are you picking in that team if you're Max Allegri? Yeah, well, I'm just trying to think of how he's going to set the team up, whether he goes three at the back, whether he goes four at the back. Um, I think the way that the squad's constructed gives uh, a lot of options. Um, Obviously, he's got a lot of attacking quality to fit in, but he's also got some really, really good centre-backs. So um, goalkeeper, it's going to be Szczesny or Donnarumma. Who knows? I think it sounds like Donnarumma's on his way out of Milan. So where does he go? Juventus seems like a logical destination, um, but I think it also relies on the club being able to to move Chesney on because he's such a high high wage earner. So we'll just say Chesney, and then I think Delict, Demiral, Bonucci, probably Sandro and Quadrado as wing backs, uh, Locatelli. Bentancur and Rabio through midfield, and then any kind of combination of Chiesa, Dybala, Morata, Ronaldo, Kulusevski in attack. But if it's a three-five-two, you're probably more likely to see Dybala and someone, uh, probably Ronaldo. Interesting, because what I'm hearing obviously is you're bringing in Locatelli, which I think we agree is 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 a player who's definitely attainable and available this summer. Um, but you're also bringing in Donnarumma uh, if you if you had your way. Obviously, you know there's there's no um, there's no con- confirmation that Chesney will be on his way out. But you know you you say that obviously Chesney's a high earner, but then you look at the fact that you probably be would you, you'd be getting Donnarumma on a free, surely, wouldn't you? Uh, because yeah. his, Milan, his Milan contract's up. Um, is there any concern there from sort of a financial perspective um, that you know you've you're going to have to pay? You know, God knows how much to, to Mino Raiola, who's obviously his agent. Um, you know, you, you pr- with him being a free agent, then you're probably going to have to up his his Milan salary, which you know was notoriously um, you know a sticking point for for that club um, in in renewing 
Uh, I know they're going to go for Mike Magnon from from Lille, or it looks looks that way, and they're probably going to save money on it. Um, but is is that is that not an issue for Juve just because of the? I mean, obviously the, the commercial revenue that they bring in, but also the, the financial potential is just is massive for when fans are back and and all that sort of thing. Well, I think the club probably see him as a you know Buffon esque figure that could be your goalkeeper for the next ten, twelve, fifteen years, and so. I think when you see that available, then it's only natural, especially as he's Italian, it it fits. And um, yeah, I think, and you know, his wage will be high, but I don't think it'll be a huge amount higher than Chesney's, who's already earning quite a lot. So, um, you know, there, there's things to play out there. Obviously, you need to find someone that wants to, to, to take Chesney off your hands. Um, so we'll see on that front. Although we might see Donnarumma see that there is not a huge market out there for him because I think there will be a lot of clubs that think that much money on the wage of a goalkeeper, we're kind of happy with what we have now. Is that really where we want to pull our limited resources in this COVID, you know, COVID financial world that we live in? So, yeah, but I think to, to make this team look really good, there's one signing that I, I had in that 11, apart from Donald, if you discount Donald Roma, there's one signing there, Locatelli. And I think that the, the 11 with just that addition sounds really, really strong. So, um, mm. yeah, optimistic, new manager, one signing, and this team, I think, will, will look really good going into Serie A next year. Champions League is a completely different story. It's kind of hard to gauge, but um, yes, optimistic. Yeah, definitely. A bit of a shorter episode uh, this week than than we usually have, but I think it's been a whistle-stop tour of sort of the end of Juventus's campaign, what the, the future holds. Uh, and some, some good transfers chat there as well. I think, you know, if, if Locatelli does end up moving to Juventus in the summer, I think we know we've got a ringing endorsement from um, from Mr. Stephen Ganavis there. Um, just before we go, Steve, uh, just any final words sort of on on handbook prep, on on anything of, of, of volume 10's nature? Okay, yeah, so the... Handbook launched yesterday. You can find it at sfhandbook.com. Uh, it's £10 for a copy and all the books will be uh, shipping in just over a week's time. Uh, yeah, so go there, grab a copy, grab some of the previous handbooks or subscribe. Um, but yeah, apart from that, happy days. Yeah, Steve's been very humble about this. You know, he's spent a, a, an extreme amount of time sort of editing, you know, with the sub-editing. There's been an enormous amount of work gone and in, gone into this uh, this this book, Volume 10. Uh, and we're really grateful we've been able to get to, to number 10 um, to, to to keep producing these books. And we fully believe that they're getting better and better with each one that we, we that we do. So um, thank you to any, anybody and everybody who has um, who's subscribed, who's bought a copy. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd uh, implore everybody to, to check that out. Uh, but this has been, uh, the Scouted Football Handbook with me, Joe Donoghue and Stephen Ganavas discussing Juventus's end to the season. Um, that is all from us. Take care, stay safe and bye for now.